Thank you for joining us today. For more information about our service times, visit okoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram at okoegt. Now let's prepare our hearts as we go into the message. Hey, wasn't worship powerful this morning? Amen. We are honored to have as a guest worship leader today, Courtney Rayleigh from Calvary and Ormond Beach. Pastor Tyler and, and Miss Kinsey are on some R&R this week, enjoying some time in the mountains in Tennessee. So keep them in prayer. And isn't it great God's presence is here this morning? Hey, take your Bible and hold it high in the air, whether it's in book form or digital form, and uh, say this after me. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I am what it says I am. I will do what it says for me to do. I place myself under the authority of God's word. It says I am blessed, therefore I am blessed. It says I am an overcomer, therefore I overcome. Every obstacle, every challenge, and every hindrance through the name above every name, Jesus Christ. I open my heart and I open my mind to receive God's word. I receive this word and I confess this word in the name of Jesus. Amen. And today we began a journey which is going to end on our missions convention, March the 3rd. It's a great time of the year when we prepare our hearts for what is going to happen in the future. Glad Tidings is making a presence and a, and a difference in places like Uganda. In Uganda, you have provided funds for a school building in what is called the Jamaican Village. It's about three quarters of the way finished. It'll be dedicated in April. And this is the first major missions project the Jamaican Assemblies of God has done. And glad tidings, you are right there with them, helping and assisting. Glad tidings is who we are, and missions is what we do. On the first Sunday of March, you're going to be challenged to give to missions so that we can continue to share the gospel of Christ. At home, we do things such as compassion ministries, our food giveaways, the warehouse ministry and benevolence, helping people on a day-to-day -day basis. And this year, we will be adding a brand new regional project that we are super excited about, and it's the launch of the well in Daytona Beach, Florida, Pastor Gabe and Sharon Asif. Can we give it up for them? We are excited about being a part of this endeavor. Pray for Pastor Gabe and Sharon as they begin to make preparations to move to Daytona in just a few months. We're going to talk about missions abroad, supporting our 85 plus missionaries every month, like missionaries Justin and Sarah White in Romania or Tim and Ella Bentley in Macedonia, or Sharissa Howell in China, Kyle and Becky Alford in Sri Lanka. We have missionaries in Central and South America. 
we have a Glad Tidings Academy in Haiti. And, and then our children's home, the City of Refuge in Jamaica, where 60 kids are provided for on a day-to-day basis. And you are their main support. You are their mom and dad that are helping clothe them and feed them and provide for them. But more importantly, to give them Jesus. Now, why do we exist as a church? Why do we exist as a local body? We exist to connect people to God, to to one another, and to the marketplace, and to the world. And we do this through worship, word, uh, and world. These are our main core values. This is what makes us the DNA as a church. This is why we exist in Central Florida. I want to talk today about living on point. And the Lord gave me this this idea, gave me this message of living with intentionality, with purpose in your step. Now, last week we shared a verse where the Apostle Paul said, hey, run to win. And in that verse, the old English uses the phrase, everyone competes and they are temperate in all things. And that old English word temperance is the ability to regulate or control oneself. The ability to control one's emotions or one's appetite or desires. So Paul said this, I run not not with uncertainty and I fight not as one who is just beating the air. And the New Living Translation puts it this way. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. And that purpose with every step, the nuance of that is the word temperance. Living a disciplined life. Living a life of intention. See, goals are not achieved through aimless living. But because one sets out to achieve something. And as born-again followers of Jesus Christ, as, as disciples of the Lord, we have received a mission. We have received an objective, a goal from Jesus, who is both Lord and Savior. And before he ascended, he said these words. Matthew records them. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So it is our aim, it is our goal to run this race called life with purpose in every step. Every step that we take so that we can reach forward toward the goal that has been laid out before us. By our Savior, Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul, speaking to the church of Corinth in his second letter, in chapter 4, verse 5, said this. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. You received your notes when you came in. If you'll notice the outline, the very first thing we're going to talk about is this. Embrace a life of servitude and selflessness. I want to challenge us 
Embrace a life of service to the Lord. Embrace a life of thinking of others and not just about ourselves. Here in 2 Corinthians 4, 5, it serves as a model for us. Paul says we do not embrace ourselves. It's not about self-promotion. We proclaim Jesus. Write that word proclaim because I think it's important. We proclaim. We preach Jesus. We talk about Jesus. We speak about Jesus. We sing about Jesus. We worship Jesus. Everything we do is about Jesus. Why? Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. Why do we talk so much about Jesus? Because he's the way maker. Because he's the healer. He's come to heal the brokenhearted. He's come to open the blinded eyes. Why do we talk so much about Jesus? Because he is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one sent from heaven by God. The only begotten of the Father. I cannot cure you. I cannot help you. I can be compassionate toward you. I can give you something of my resources to get you by, but there's only one who can change your life. There's only one who can sustain you. There's only one who can satisfy you, and his name is Jesus. So Paul, Paul says we don't preach ourselves. We proclaim Jesus, Jesus who saves, Jesus who heals, Jesus who provides, Jesus who is Lord. See, our message as a church has always been and always will be Christocentric, Christ at the center. But notice that verse, he said this. We talk about our, ourselves as servants, servants living for the good and for the help of someone else. We give our lives in service to Christ. See, living on point means we are servants of Jesus. We are not our own. The word tells us that we have been bought with a price. We've been purchased out of the market of sin, and we have been the theological word is redeemed. Anybody redeemed here? Anybody saved, filled with the Holy Spirit? Your sins are washed away. See, you've been redeemed. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul has this idea. In chapter 7, verse 23, he tells the Corinthians, God paid a high price for you, so don't be enslaved by the world. All right, this gets your attention. God's paid a Huge price, a, a high price for you, so don't be entangled, enslaved by the world. In other words, there's a demand placed upon your life because Jesus has done something for you. Now, you got to realize there's a demand placed upon your life because you've been redeemed. You've been saved, and now you're living for Christ. Drop back one chapter to chapter 6. Look at verse 19. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Wow. Your body, your life, you, follower of Christ, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself. 
And there's the concept. You do not belong to yourself. Verse 20, for God bought you with the high price, a high price, so you must honor God with your body, honor God with your life, honor God with the temple he has given you. I want to challenge us. Live on point. Live with God at the center of everything you do. Yes, as a church, we're going to prepare for Mission Sunday. Yes, as a church, we're going, to, we're going to raise funds, and we're going to do things for missions like we've never done before. But even more important than that, you have to live on point personally. You have to live a life that's going to bring honor and glory to the Father because you've been redeemed. You've been bought. You've been purchased, not with just anything, but you've been purchased with a high price. Now, living on point means that we are servants for Jesus. In other words, we work in his kingdom and for his kingdom. We do all that we do to promote Jesus, to declare his message, because he is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, listen to what the apostle Peter, we heard what Paul said. Now, listen to what Peter says. Concerning being purchased and bought with a high price. 1 Peter 1, 17. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. So now Peter gives this idea that you are temporary residents. That this is your temporary home. So, so you're living with a different purpose. You're living with a different mindset. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. It was not paid with mere gold and silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. Why is it so important to live on point? Why is it so important to give God your life and to serve him with your being because you've been redeemed not with monetary things like silver and gold and precious jewels. No, even something more precious. It is the blood of the Son of God, the spotless Lamb of God. It was Jesus that sacrificed his life for you. Well, no wonder Paul would tell the church of Rome, therefore I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. See, as a church, Glad Tidings is committed to living on point. And in order for us to do this, we must always keep worship and the word center. We must always keep worship and the word center. Oswald Chambers said this, I must take time to worship the one whose name I bear. Mm. As you know, as believers, as followers of Christ, you are image bearers. You bear the name of Christ. You represent him. So Oswald Chambers, the one who wrote that great devotional that many of you use on a day-to-day basis, listen, he said this, I must worship I must make time to worship the one whose name I bear. 
See, he took away that name and the label everybody else gave you, and he placed his name upon you. He's redefined you. <laughs> He's given you new purpose. He's given you meaning. He's taken away emptiness, and he's given you a life, a life full of richness and peace and joy. We must keep worship and word center. A.W. Tozier said, God wants worshipers before workers. Indeed, the only acceptable workers are those who have learned the lost art of worship. See, often we find it easy to do something. We find it easy to be busy. We find it easy to, to, to work at something because, be, be, because, because worship at times can be so hard. But what God is looking for is he's not looking for workers that's just going to work out of their own strength. He's looking for individuals who will worship him first and then receive his anointing and then work out of that anointing. See, something happens when you worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He elevates your work. He elevates your giftings. He elevates your life. And suddenly that song goes a little higher because you go into the Holy of Holies. Suddenly you're opening that door just a little bit different. And there's an anointing uh, there when people walk through the doors. See, something happens when we worship first and we work out of that worship. You know, Sundays, we are physically exhausted after three services, physically drained, but your spirit is so renewed and so refreshed because that's the principle of the kingdom of God. The anointing will refresh you. The anointing will lift you up above even your own abilities. And church, hear me. Our work alone cannot do it. Our resources alone cannot do it. But when I give it to God first, <laughs> he multiplies what I give to him. And what you surrender to him, he'll multiply and he'll give back some 30, 40, 50, 100 fold. And suddenly you'll see that he'll elevate what you do and chains will fall. Prison doors will open because that's what the anointing does. Worship must be our priority. Write this, Christ-centered and I love this thought. Robert Weber said this, worship is rooted in an event, the living, dying, and rising again of Jesus Christ in history. Everything we do is Christ-centered. Our worship must always be Christ-centered, centered around the event of what Jesus did. He came, he lived, he died, he arose again. And because he lives... I shall live also. That same resurrection power that raised him from the dead, guess what? Lives and abides in me. Paul says, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. God's spirit that raised Christ from the dead out of that tomb lives and abides and dwells within me. See, our worship is Christ-centered. It's all around an event because we know if we can tap into the event, if we can tap into the resources, if we can tap into the presence, if we can tap into the glory of God, it will be more than enough. Church, I know that I know that I know that when God elevates something, that when God causes you to walk in his spirit and his power, you'll chase 10,000. You'll chase the enemy instead of 
the enemy chasing you. Now tell me my God isn't good. You also, also, we must be word-centered. Matt Redman wrote, wrote, uh, Redman wrote a book, The Unquenchable Worshipper, coming back to the heart of worship. And he said this in the book, so often when my worship has dried up, it's because I have not been fueling the fire. I haven't set aside any time to soak myself under the showers of God's revelation. But if we can find space to soak ourselves in God's word, in his presence, and with his creation, and spend time with other believers, then we'll find that the revelation floods back into our lives and our hearts will respond with a blaze of worship once more. It must be word-centered. It's amazing what happens when you get along with the word of God and you allow the word of God to speak to you. It's amazing the treasures you find, the gold nuggets. It's amazing the jewels, the precious stones you discover when you hear the Father speak to you through the word. Let the word be the center point of your worship. We're Christocentric, Christ at the center. He is the living word. And because of him, we have the written word. And may we abide in that word today as he abides in us. We must be spirit-led. It's the breaking into the Shekinah glory of God. Being invaded by the Shekinah of God. It was like it there in worship church as Miss Courtney was leading us in worship and suddenly you felt like you moved from the holy place into the holy of holies. There was, a, there was a change in the atmosphere. There was a change in the moment. It was a change when you felt like burdens were lifted. It was the presence of God. And can I tell you, it's wonderful when we come together as a church and we feel the Shekinah presence of God. But that same presence is available for you in your quiet place in your prayer closet, in your car as you're driving to work. God wants to envelop you. God wants to fill you. God wants to cover you with his Shekinah glory. Can somebody say amen? amen. We must always keep worship and then the word focus. Let's talk a minute about the word of God. See, the word keeps us living on point in our personal lives. As followers of Jesus, as spirit-led and spirit-filled people of God. I love the words of Paul to Timothy. In 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God. It is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Do you get that? It is useful to teach us truth. And Lord, we need to know the truth today. It's a lot of error, a lot of, a lot, a lot of people saying truth out there. But hear me, there's only one truth. And also, no, notice what he says, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. We need the word of God because the word of God will confront us. Because sometimes our emotions deceive us. Our emotions can be very deceptive. Sometimes we feel good is bad and bad is good. Sometimes we call things truth when it's not. We call things right when it's wrong. See, we can get all caught up emotionally, but the word 
will teach you different. And it's important that we have the word of God in our life. Write this, the word must confront us. When we study the word, when we meditate on the word, when we have a regular routine of reading God's word, guess what happens? The word will confront you. It'll confront the attitude you had with your children that morning. It'll confront the attitude you had with your spouse the other day. It'll confront the attitude you had with your coworkers. It'll confront the wrong behavior. It'll confront the motives. It'll confront your life. And church, we need that. Thank God for the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Thank God that the Holy Spirit and the word chastises us sometimes. Did you know what the discipline of the Lord guarantees? It guarantees you belong to him. It guarantees you are a son or a daughter. So don't despise when the Lord kind of gets on you a little bit. And when you read the word and it talks to you, you want the word of God to talk to you. God loves you too much to allow you to remain the way you, you are. Allow the word of God. The word must transform us. Write that word, transform The word of God has the ability to transform us, to change us into that person that pleases God. Earlier, we talked about Romans 12, 1, about being a living sacrifice. The very next verse, verse 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. The word of God will help transform you, help change you. We're talking about living on point. We get to that great prayer of Jesus, the high priestly prayer. John records it in his gospel, chapter 17. And it's at one point in that prayer that Jesus says this in verse 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Wash them, cleanse them, sanctify. That word sanctify means to make holy. It means to set apart. And then he said this, your word is truth. How are we cleansed? How are we sanctified? How are we washed? How are we transformed? By the word of God. See, if we want to live on on point, then we got to learn to get in the presence of the Lord. We got to learn to dwell in his presence and we got to learn to let the word of God speak to us because at times the word will be like a hammer. Jeremiah said, hey, your word is like fire shut up within my bones. Your word is like a hammer smashing into pieces the hard places. And church, there are times when we need the word of God to crush some things in us. We need the word of God to crush the opposition, to crush that spirit of rebellion, to crush that hardness that we have at times. And the word will do that. Do you know also what the word will be like? It'll be like water that washes and cleanses you. It'll be like oil that soothes you. It will be like medicine to your bones. I love the word in Proverbs. Your word is like medicine. Your word is is health to my bones. When we we receive the word and we allow the word of God to work, to have his way in us, he'll transform us. And we'll find ourselves living on point. 
It's important as followers of Christ that we do this. Let's live on point as a congregation, connecting people to God, to one another, to the marketplace, and to the world. And by living on point together, let's leave our world a better place. Let's leave our world a better place. Should the Lord tarry another hundred years? Church, I'm looking for him next week. I'm looking for him to come next week. I'm like, Lord, hurry up and come before my taxes are due. Jesus, help me. Come on, you know you prayed that prayer too. You know good and well you've been praying that prayer. But if he should tarry another hundred years, a day with the Lord, like a thousand years, a thousand years, a day with the Lord. What are we doing to leave this world a better place than the way we found it? I think we should live with a biblical worldview. Living life with a biblical worldview is essential for guiding our actions and decisions and interactions in a manner that aligns with God's principles and God's truth. Embracing a biblical worldview means seeing the world through the lens of Scripture. That the scripture, the word of God, is the standard whereby you live. Not your feelings, not your opinions, not even your desires, but the word becomes the standard by which you live. Embracing a biblical worldview means allowing the wisdom of God's word to shape our perspectives and to inform our conduct. Often I deal with people talking with them, and they say, well, I believe this. I say, well, why do you, believe, why do you have that conviction? Well, just because I do. Where's that conviction come from? Well, I just think it's the way it should be. You have to have convictions based in the word of God. I challenge that person because they're not living by a world biblical view. A world biblical view is seen through the lens of God's word. And allowing the word of God to develop convictions within you, standards of living, that's going to that's gonna affect how you treat each other and how you live your life in society. It's so important that we live with a biblical worldview, but write this, living on point challenges us to live for the next generation. Living for the next generation. And what I love about missions and our missions convention is we get to invest in things that will impact generations to come. Think about what we've done in the past. We have helped in translating and printing the fire Bible into the Pajami language in India. We did a reprint of the Czech Fire Bible. We, we, we also did the original print of the Haitian Creole Fire Bible. We have built a Bible college and training center in Equatorial Guinea, Africa. And you right now, you are building a school in Uganda, Africa, which will allow the kids to go to school. And on the weekends, a church will be planted in that schoolhouse. Our food drive is helping families relieve the burden of their grocery bill. Our warehouse is providing necessary supplies to people in hard times and other ministries to bless their communities and even other countries with much-needed supplies. What are we doing, church? We're making a decision to invest in the kingdom of God 
and to leave something for the next generation. And what I love about your heart is you believe that Christ can come back at any moment, but should he tarry, you're going to invest in the next generation so they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So they can know what it's like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They can know what it's like to prophesy and sing. They can know what it's like to be gifted and the supernatural gifts flow through them. What I appreciate about you is your hunger for the things of God. That you're living a Christocentric life. That you love the word of God. And you want the word preached to you in unadulterated form. You want the word to be like a hammer in your life. You want the word to be like water to wash you. You want the word of God to transform you because you're living for the next generation. The challenge with us Americans is we live in a consumer society. And sometimes we allow that consumer mentality to take control of every aspect. We think that life is all about us. We're buying things that we can dispose of quickly and get rid of because it satisfies us for the moment. It satisfies us in the day. And we're failing to look at the impact that our life has on generations to come. We want what we want at this moment, but we're not asking the questions. What's the secondary and the third response? How is this going to affect my kids and my grandkids and my great-grandkids. And church, I believe living on point is living your life in such a way that the next generation coming behind you will not have a heavy burden, but they'll feel the weight and they'll feel how you've helped them how they can stand upon your shoulders just like I stood upon my dad's shoulders and just like we're standing upon our grandparents' shoulders. We're giving them a platform that they can stand on and they can reach further. They can do greater things. They can serve the Lord and change their world. See, to me, that's what living on point is all about. Investing in the kingdom of God. Jesus said this, Matthew records that musicians begin to make your way. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. I want to challenge us as a church to store up treasures in heaven. I want to challenge us as a people, as individuals, to store up treasures in heaven. Remember the words of Jesus. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Live your life on point. This year, let us do more than we have ever done for the kingdom of God. I want to challenge you, live your life with a biblical perspective, a biblical worldview, and let's invest in the kingdom of God like we have never invested before. Paul said, I run. I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing.
And church, I'm here to remind you, you're not just shadow boxing. You're not just boxing in the air. You're in this thing to win. So run. Run, but run with purpose. (laughs) Purpose in every step. Allow the word to confront you. Allow the word to challenge you. Allow the word to transform you. Don't despise what the Lord is doing. Don't despise when the voice of the Lord is a little hard in your life. That's a good thing. It demonstrates he loves you, that you're a son, you're a daughter. And he's bringing correction because because your life matters to him. Make worship all about Christ. Make a decision to live a life of service and selflessness. Make a decision to live for his kingdom and not the kingdom of this world. Let us pray. As our head is bowed and our eyes are closed, let me ask you a few questions. How how is your life of worship? How is your life of worship? Are you living... Are you living with God at the center? Are there a lot of distractions going on? Maybe God's not taking priority. Maybe you you give God the leftover of your day and not the best part of your day. I want to challenge you to bring correction in that area. What air in your life is the word of God transforming? (laughs) What area is the word like a hammer? What part in you is he crushing? Maybe it's that wrong thinking that leads to defeat even before you get out of bed, even before your feet hit the ground. Maybe your, your thoughts are not healthy and the word of God is challenging you in that area. Maybe... Maybe there's one part of your heart that you just have not yet surrendered to him and you're like fighting for control with the word like a hammer speaking. Allow the word to crush that in you. Let the Lord have his way. You hear this morning and say, Pastor, there's some things the Word of God is dealing with, with me in. There's some areas in my life I need Him to work in. And I need the ability to surrender to that area. Let me see your hand right now. God loves you. Yes, right now, God loves you. <clears throat> Just confess it to the Lord. Hey, maybe, maybe you haven't put God at the center. Today, the day, today's the day of saying, God, I'm, I'm realigning my life right now. I'm surrendering to the Christ. I'm, I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm, I'm not going to promote myself. I'm not going to promote anything else. I'm going I'm to become a servant of Christ. If that's you today, just lift your hand right now and say, Lord, here I am. I give you my life. I give you my heart. Here I am. Here I am, God. 
Now you want God to have every part of you. Just step out from where you are and come down right now. You want God to have every part of your life. Just step out where you are and come. Don't worry about what anybody else is doing. Don't worry about what everybody else is going to say. Come now. Here I am, God. Here I am. Take all of me, Lord. Take all of me, Lord. Church, let's stand together as we stand. I believe it's important to respond to the preaching and teaching of the word. Step out from where you are and come down front. I believe the Lord is going to speak to you. He's going to challenge you. He's going to meet you here today. Let's worship the King.